0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Theater Shove It. I hope everyone had a great week last week. I'm your host, Greg, and I'm here again to give you my thoughts on the latest movies playing in theaters and streaming on your TV. Also, this week, I will bring you a new edition of Be Kind Rewind, Oscar Outlook, and Now Streaming. It's another busy week, so let's get going. For our featured movies this week, Storm Reid searches for her missing mother in Missing. Hugh Jackman and Laura Dern face parental challenges in The Sun. A group of women make a choice of a lifetime in Women Talking. And Anna Kendrick deals with an abusive relationship in Alice Darling. First up, a young girl panics when her mother disappears while on vacation. This is Missing. You think he did something, Terry? Dating a felon? You need to trust me on this. Shocking new footage has leaked online. No, no way! I have some questions regarding something we're looking into. Has your mom ever gone by any other names? What? Storm Reed plays June, an 18-year-old girl who seems to have a fractured relationship with her widowed mother, Grace, played by Nia Long. Grace has begun a new relationship with Kevin, played by Kevin Lung and the two have planned a romantic getaway to Colombia while June stays at home and uses the money her mother left her to plan a huge drinking party with her friends. Grace reminds June that she will need to pick them up at the airport when they get back. June receives many photos and selfies of Kevin and Grace while they are on vacation. However, when the day comes for the two to arrive home, Grace and Kevin are nowhere to be found. Panicking, June worries that something has gone terribly wrong. It is up to her to find out where her mother is, and she eventually hires an errand runner named Javi, played by Joaquin de la Maeda, who helps bridge the language gap June keeps encountering when trying to communicate with officials in Colombia. Can June put all the pieces together to find out what happened to her mother? When I saw this trailer, I predicted it would be a see-it, and I give this film a... See it! I enjoyed this film for the most part. With almost the entire thing taking place on a computer screen, the pacing was quick and suspenseful, and Storm Reid gives a fully committed performance and is really cementing herself as a force in the film world after giving solid performances here, as well as in films like The Invisible Man and The Suicide Squad. The use of technology as a character that moves the story forward was very well done, just as it was in its predecessor, Two Thousand Eighteen Searching. If I have to knock anything with this film, it would be the final 20 minutes or so. In a film of many twists and turns, the final act was a bit over the top when compared to the rest of the film. It was somewhat implausible and out of place with the rest of the film, but overall, it was a solid pick, Especially for a January release. Next, a young boy spirals to the depths of depression. This is The Sun. I'm trying to be there for you. I'm trying to give you strength. What's going on? Are you on drugs? You think you can just live your life doing whatever you feel like? I don't know what's happening to me. Joy in our family. Starring as Peter Miller, Oscar-nominated actor Hugh Jackman is a man who is remarried to Beth, played by Oscar nominee Vanessa Kirby, and they now have an infant son. One evening, their doorbell rings, and it is his ex-wife Kate, played by Oscar-winner Laura Dern, who informs him that their son Nicholas' school has informed her that he has not been in school for a month. Desperate for help in getting through to him, Kate implores Peter to talk to their son. When he does, Nicholas, played by Zen McGrath, cannot verbalize the issues he is facing and tells his father he wants to live with him. After moving in, things appear to be back on track and Nicholas gives the appearance that school is going well and that he is making friends. However, when Beth discovers a knife hidden under Nicholas's mattress, Peter confronts him and discovers he has been cutting himself again. Things start spiraling out of control with Nicholas's depression forcing Peter to confront his own unresolved relationship problems with his own father, played by two time Oscar winner Anthony Hopkins. Can Peter and Kate help their son before it's too late? When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted this would be a see it, and I give this film a shove it. Okay, first, I'll get this out of the way. Hugh Jackman is very good in this role and very well may be a surprise nominee when the Oscar nominations are announced tomorrow morning. However, the script fails him. This film is a manipulative, soulless movie that is as empty in emotion as director Florian Zeller's Oscar-winning predecessor, the father, was full of emotion. It is shocking how the two films were from the same filmmaker. The adult characters in this were so self-absorbed and more worried about their own reputations and inconveniences that Nicholas' depression brings to their lives as they were about their son. As a viewer, it was incredibly maddening to watch two people choose convenience over inconvenience when it comes to their own child. The script focuses more on the consequences of decisions on the adults more than it does the child, and it was a real missed opportunity to bring emotional punches throughout. There was something about Dern's performance that seemed off, and Kirby seemed completely detached from the film. If you are a fan of Jackman, you may want to watch his performance as he does his best with what he has, but what he has is a jumbled mess. You can go ahead and skip this one. It's very disappointing considering how great 2020's The Father was. When the women of a Mennonite colony become fed up with the abuse at the hands of the men in their lives, They come together to make a decision for their future. This is Women Talking. We were given two days to forgive the attackers before they returned. We hardly knew how to read or to write. But that day, we learned how to vote. Do nothing. Stay and fight. Leave. If we do not forgive these men, we forfeit our place in heaven. Surely there must be something worth living for in this life, not only the next. 5 to 2009, 150 women and girls aged from 5 to 65 were drugged and raped by men in a secluded Mennonite colony in Bolivia. They would wake up bloodied and confused with no memory of what happened. The men were eventually caught and sentenced to prison. This true life story inspired the story of women talking based on the book by Miriam Toes and written and directed by Sarah Polly. In the film, the men of the colony are all away to put up bail for one of the men who has been caught and arrested for assault. While they are gone, the women, who are now fed up with the abuse, bond together and vote on one of three options for their future. Option 1, do nothing and forgive the men. Option 2, stay and fight. Or option 3, leave the community, resulting in losing a chance to enter heaven in the afterlife. When the vote results in a tie between options 2 and 3, the women select a small group to debate which option will be chosen for the community. Recruiting the one male left, mild-mannered, and kind August, played by Ben Wishaw, he is in charge of recording the minutes of the meetings because the women can neither read nor write and August is the local teacher and can supply this service. The women then get to work deciding their future, and the future of all the women and girls in the colony. I give this film a... See it! Director Sarah Polly gathers a star-studded cast led by Emmy winner Claire Foy, Oscar nominees Rooney Mara and Jesse Buckley, The great Judith Ivey and even three-time Oscar winner Frances McDormand pops in and out of the film as one of the women who disagrees with the options placed before them. Yes, the film lives up to its title, as it truly is a film of nothing but women talking. And when I went into the film, I had heard great things about it, but I was a little worried that a two-hour-long film of a group of women sitting in a barn talking the entire time was not going to be that engaging or thrilling but it is intense and engaging and well worth the accolades it has been receiving it is one of the best films of 2022 and moves quickly as the women struggle between their loyalty to faith and their loyalty to the future of their children and themselves if the film has been released near you and you enjoy emotional dramas give this one a look Finally, this week, Oscar nominated actress Anna Kendrick struggles with an emotionally abusive relationship. This is Alice Darling. In director Mary Nye's slow-burn drama, Kendrick plays Alice, a woman so beholden to her boyfriend that any night out with her friends is filled with guilt and distraction, and every day with her boyfriend is filled with anxiety to the point where she is literally pulling out her hair and having panic attacks. The abusive boyfriend Simon, played by Charlie Carrick, is an artist struggling with relevancy and success, as he takes the pressure out on Alice. One weekend, Alice makes up a story that she needs to travel out of state for work, when she is in fact going away with her two best friends, Sophie and Tess, played by Wunmi Mosaku and Kanelizio Horn. The two friends let Alice believe that they are going to celebrate Tess's birthday, when they are actually staging an intervention, as they see their friend distancing herself from them. Will the intervention be successful? Or will Simon find out the truth and continue to keep Alice as an emotional prisoner? I give this film a... Mild See It. I didn't know what to expect from this when I walked in. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a mystery, a suspense, or a straight drama. Nighy actually balances all three genres to varying degrees. At 90 minutes, it moves along quickly, and Kendrick gives a solid performance. I tend not to enjoy her as she seems one note as an actress, generally playing the hyper-peppy sorority type that fans of old-school Reese Witherspoon would enjoy. Here, she gives Alice the anxiety and tension necessary to be successful in the role. The supporting cast is all great, and the film is engaging for the most part, although it does dip in interest in the middle and a side story about a missing girl seemed unnecessary. I only wish the tension was ratcheted up a bit and that the film had more suspense. But overall, it works as a movie to watch when you can't think of what to watch on a rainy day. That's it for this week's featured films. To recap, Missing is in theaters now and is a see-it. The Sun is in theaters now and is a shove-it. Women Talking is in theaters now and is a see it and is also my pick of the week. And Alice Darling is playing exclusively at AMC Theaters Now and is a mild see it. Now, on to my brief take on some additional movies I've watched in my segment Quick Picks. The Drop, now streaming on Hulu, is a mediocre comedy starring Jermaine Fowler, Anna Konkel, and Utkarsh Ambutkar from CBS's series Ghost. The film is about a group of friends gathering for a wedding. When one of the friends accidentally drops another's baby on the ground, things get awkward. The movie has its moments, but overall, I say it's a shove-it. And the pandemic-themed horror film Sick, about two girls being terrorized at a lake house during quarantine, is a film with a lot of potential, but ultimately fails in its execution. It is streaming on Peacock, and is a shove-it. Now, let's move on to my segment where I share where you can find some of the films I enjoyed within the last year that are now available for home viewing. This is Now Streaming. The extremely fun and violent Christmas themed film Violent Night is a very enjoyable action comedy film. I really enjoyed it when it was in theaters, so much so that I went to see it twice. It is now streaming on Peacock, and you can hear my full review on episode 46. Two time Oscar winning actress Kate Blanchett could very well pick up her third in March for her incredible performance in Tar. The film is quite long but if you can get past the first 45 minutes or so, the payoff is well worth the effort. She is stunning in this movie. It will be streaming on Peacock beginning this Friday, January 27th, and you can hear my full review on episode 38. And now it's time for a brief Oscar Outlook. So, tomorrow, the nominations for the 95th Academy Awards will be revealed. I'll be recording my live reaction to the announcement and bringing you my initial thoughts. Fortunately, I have a meeting at work right when the announcements come out, so I will avoid any news sites or spoilers and watch the announcements when my meeting ends. So look for that episode either later tomorrow or Wednesday. And now, it's time for my segment where I look at films from the past. This is Be Kind Rewind. Continuing my series where I take the 52-week movie challenge, this week's topic was small-budget, big box office. And in honor of this week's Oscar nomination announcement, I chose the Best Picture winner, Rocky. Rocky? Do you believe it? to the whole world by giving an unknown a shot at the title. I need your help about ten years ago, right? Ten years ago. You never helped me. You didn't care. Well, if you wanted help. I say, if you wanted help, why didn't you ask? Why didn't you just ask me again? Okay, but you never heard nothing. Released at the end of 1976, Rocky tells the story of boxer Rocky Balboa, played by Sylvester Stallone. Rocky is a part-time boxer who works as a debt collector for loan sharks he is recruited to fight heavyweight champion Apollo Creed, played by Carl Weathers. When Creed's opponent withdraws from an upcoming fight due to injury, a promoter lures Rocky to fight instead. While he doesn't feel he is ready for such a big fight, the guaranteed payment of $150,000 certainly sweetens the pot, and Rocky begins to train intensively with former fighter Mickey Goldmill, played by the late Burgess Meredith. Along the way, Rocky meets and falls in love with Adrian Panino, played by Talia Shire. Adrian is a sister to Rocky's best friend. As fight night approaches, Rocky confides in Adrian that he feels he cannot win, but will do all he can to go the distance against Creed. Made on a budget of just under a million dollars, Rocky ended up becoming a worldwide success, earning a total of $225 million, and it made Stallone an international superstar, earning him the nickname The Italian Stallion, the same nickname Rocky has in the film. Stallone would go on to make epic blockbusters like Rambo and The Expendables, and Rocky would turn out five sequels and even a spin-off series in Creed, with Creed 2 scheduled to be released in March. The film was nominated for ten Academy Awards, including Best Actor for Stallone, Best Supporting Actress for Shire and two nominations in Best Supporting Actor for Meredith and Burt Young, who played Rocky's friend and Adrian's brother, Paulie. It ended up winning two Oscars for Best Director for John Alvidson, as well as Best Picture. If you want to watch this classic, it is available on both Netflix and Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> so another episode has come to an end. Thank you for listening to See It or Shove It. I continue to be grateful for the time you spend with me each week. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this month. And while you're at it, share my podcast with your movie and TV-loving friends and family. And don't forget, you can drop me a line at seeitorshoveit at gmail.com and let me know of any ideas or suggestions for movies to cover, or just to say hey. Follow me on Instagram at theatershovet and rate me wherever you get your podcasts. Come back later this week to hear my reactions to the slate of nominees for this year's Oscars, and join me again next week to hear my thoughts on two horror films, Fear and Infinity Pool. Have a great week, everyone. This episode of theater Shove It was recorded in Orlando, Florida and is produced by Gregory G. Productions. Music by Mysterio Music.